0: Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message.
1: Series called "Why Do We Church?" Meaning, why, why, why do we do this? Why do we gather here on a Sunday? Why do we gather here on Wednesday nights or other other meetings? Why do we do this? Why do we come and have community like this and and gather around the name of Jesus? And, and of course, I understand and know that uh, in a in a small town in, in in Southern America, that you probably don't necessarily have to give a lot of reasons why we go to church or anything, but how many of you know that there has probably been times in your life, there's been times in my life, and there's probably times, or there's probably people even right now that we've lost sight of the reason why we come to church, right? You can get an autopilot and just be going because that's just what good Southern people do as they go to church, right? And uh, how many of you know that's that's not the total uh, reason why we gather and why we are a part of the church, and. Uh, I think a baby dedication at the end of this series is very fitting because I think it signifies the importance of why we go to church. Amen. We came together today as a family. And we allowed uh, individual families to come up. And as a church family, we prayed over them. We dedicated them. And listen, that, don't, that not only puts responsibility on that parent and on their, their parents and their extended family, but that puts responsibility on us as, a, as, a, as their church family that we say we're going to do everything we can to try to help, uh, help them facilitate raising their child in the presence of God, raising their child to do what God's called them to do. Amen being a help, whether it's through our kids' departments and nurseries and youth department and and then all throughout the other things that that we do around here. And so it's for the furtherance. The reason why we, we church is because it's for the furtherance of the gospel, not just on a locational level, meaning a lot of times we think about uh, furthering the gospel, meaning that, that we're going to preach Jesus uh, here in Joaquin and then, and then we're going to preach Jesus uh, you know, in another town and maybe another country. I mean, like, like the announcement said, we're going to Mexico this summer and we're going to preach the gospel in Mexico. We're going to do something for them. Said, and some of the people that signed up said, wait a minute, you didn't say anything about preaching. You said we're going to build stuff. How many you know when you go and build something and you help somebody with the love of God, you're preaching Jesus? Amen. Isn't that what Jesus would do when he'd pull up on the scene? He would feed people where there was no food. He would, he would do things for people where there, there wasn't anything being done. That's the love and that's the generosity of Christ. And we're going to do that. And so, But, you know, uh, preaching the gospel, we shouldn't just think of it on a locational level, meaning we're going to preach here and we're going to preach there. We also have to think about the fact that we're trying to grow the kingdom on a generational level, meaning that we're not just spreading this way, but we're spreading into other generations. That we want uh, our, our kids and our, and our kids' kids and their kids to, uh, the, for there to be a legacy of them serving God and, and going further than us. Not just having this up and down thing where we take, you know, we take one step forward and two steps back. But that we're making progress from, from generation to generation where you know, a lot of people, we understand this when it comes to financial things. We understand this when it comes to leaving our kids a, a, uh, a some type of a, a um, you know a, an inheritance or something like that. But how many of you know that the Bible says that we're heirs with Christ Jesus and joint heirs? Amen. Meaning that there is an inheritance for us, and that inheritance needs to be told to our children, letting them understand and know that God has got a plan for you. You know, I, I began to understand and know that God had a plan for me because I started going to church as a as an older teenager. Um, you know, but but what if I'd be begun to be told I had a plan of God for my life even younger than that? Amen. And and I want that's what I want for my children. I want my home to be a place of a launching pad. For my kids to go and do more than I did, right? Not just to have more money than I had, not just to have better houses and better cars than I had, and things like that. But I want them to have a better, uh, uh, re, I mean, a better relationship with Jesus than I had earlier than I had it. Amen. I want them to go further than I did. So, so the reason why it's so important that we're a part of the local church, I believe, especially a healthy local church, is that we're not just there in the local church to make sure the gospel spreads this way, but that it's supposed to spread from 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 generation to generation. Amen? Is this all right? If we evangelize all seven continents, give money to missions, go on mission trips, but never pass on the legacy of serving God through the local church to our kids and our grandkids, I think that we've only gotten part of the equation right. I think that we've only got part of God's plan right. Amen? One of the last things that Jesus said before he ascended into the heavens. This is in Acts, the first chapter, the eighth verse. This is what he said. He says, you shall receive power. So this isn't something that we do because... you know, we, we have willpower and we say, well, if that's what the, now we do need to do it by faith and say if that's what the word of God said when you take that, that, that step into that. But when we take that step towards uh, living a life this way, tailoring our homes this way, tailoring our relationships with our kids and our grandkids this way and our community this way, then what we're doing is we're stepping into a place of faith where God says you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. That's the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit is to be a witness for Christ. Amen. I'm so thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit that comes into a place when we're worshiping, and when we're praising, and we, we felt his tangible anointing this morning. I believe that, that chains were broken in people's lives. I believe that mindsets were broken. I believe that strongholds were broken, that things were set right, and things were set in order, and there were seeds planted, and I believe all that. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that we can get in the presence of God, and we can actually feel the presence of God. But that, that presence, that, that, that feeling that we feel is not just a, a, a feeling that we walk out of the door and we go, man, I felt good in church today. Let's go get some Rancho Grande. Right? But it's to say, God's in me and I want Him to be in other people. God's in me and I want Him to be in my home. God's in me, and I want my kids to experience what it's like to have God in you. Not just talk about God, but know God. Amen? I want to know. That's the, the power of the Holy Spirit on you to witness. You know, when the Holy Spirit is on you, when the Holy Spirit is in you, it, you can't help but witness about Him. I can't tell you how many times I've started off in, in benign uh, conversations. I never even planned to talk about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit being on the inside of me, and all of a sudden I just start, I see uh, the Holy Spirit's almost like, oh, there's a good place right there. Let's go. And we get in that conversation. Next thing I know, I'm telling people about what God's done for me and what God can do for them. And the next Thing, you know, they're thinking about, yeah, I've never really thought about God being that way for me. I just thought God was, was somebody you came and paid alms to and you, and you came and sang a couple of hymns to and you said, I belong to this church or that church. No, no, God wants to be living on the inside of you and he wants to be living through you. Amen. Is this okay? But he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. I want you to pay attention. He, he could have just said Everywhere. But he didn't, he said Jerusalem and he said in all Judea and Samaria and then he didn't stop there. He said, and then the ends of the earth, you know, and I may be taking a little bit of a a stretch here, but but I'm trying to tie it back to this generational thing because I believe when he said Jerusalem, I think he's talking about you need to take Christ to your homes first. You need, to take him, you need to take Christ, you need to take the gospel into your homes, into your kids, into your grandkids, into your relatives, and into your community. Right here in Jerusalem, we need to take it here first. And then we're going to move out to Judea. Judea. We're going to move out into the county, we're going to move out into the state, we're going to move out into the region. We're going to move out into the United States, or, or, in, in our language. And then we're going to move out into the world, amen? I'm not saying that that's a step-by-step thing. But sometimes it's easy to leave your comfort zones. And, and some of you may not know, but I'm speaking from experience. Um, I'll give you an illustration like this. I, I graduated high school. And in the summer, after I graduated, is when I really had an encounter with God and decided I was going to serve God. And I decided I was going to go to Bible school. But I, did not, I had not, did not realize that me going to Bible school meant I was going to go be a pastor. I actually said, I'm not going to be a pastor, but I'm going to go to Bible school because I want to spend a year with God because I had gotten in the presence of God and i had allowed, and God had begun to change me. And so I get down there and I'm away from all of my friends. I'm away from all of my family. I'm away from everybody who knew me before, before what? Before Christ. I mean, you know, the Bible says when, if any man be in Christ, he is a, he becomes a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. And so I knew that there was a new man in there, but it was hard for me to become the new man where there were so many people that knew me as the old man. Now, I had made some some good changes, but I knew I needed to spend a year with God so that I could allow the the new man to take over. So I did. That was the reason why I went down there. And you know what? I went down there. And they got me so far out of my comfort zone before before I'd ever uh, before I got saved or, or, or ever got in the ministry or ever went to Bible school. You, I mean, I think I failed my my um, oral communications class because I was so shy. I probably got up there and stuttered and stammered for fifteen minutes, and then until the teacher was like, "Sit down, it's all right." And so I get there, and they began to take me out of my comfort zone and began to, uh, begin to put me in, in situations. And, and you know what, it kind of it came quite easy for me. And we had this big production that we would go from, school, from like different schools and, and we, would, we would do things uh, for, in an assembly on a Friday during the day and we had to keep Jesus' name out of it, but we were able to talk about the, the fact that we had found an answer to our problems. And then, if you want to know the answer to that problem, you can come back Friday night or tonight, and uh, we're going to tell you the answer to those problems. Well, in that meeting, it was something that we were still on the school campus, but they allowed us because we basically rented out the campus from them so we could do what we wanted to do. So we brought a worship team in there, we brought a minister in there, and then we told them the answer to the problem is Jesus. Amen? And they received that. I was having a blast. I was thinking it was great. And then all of a sudden, My Bible school teacher said, hey, why don't we go back to Magnolia and see if we can get into your high school that you went to? I went, oh, my God, no. (laughs) Thankfully, we did not do that. I didn't tell him that. But thankfully, you know, maybe not thankfully. But for me, I thought all those people know who I was. And I don't know if they're going to accept who I am. And I don't know that I'm strong enough to take the criticism. Listen, my high school was so bad. I'm talking about mean, that we had a wheelchair man that played wheelchair basketball on the Olympics that was shot like he, somebody broke into his home and shot him. I don't know how many times and left him paralyzed, but he was a great basketball player. And so he just decided he came in to do a motivational speech. And my high school was so rude to him. That he got mad in the middle of his speech because we were. The, the, and I will, I will say that I did, not, I, I did not participate in that kind of stuff. But they were so rude and in throwing insults and making jokes about him that he left right in the middle of it. And I'm thinking, I am not going back to that high school and dancing for Jesus. I was scared, I was out of my comfort zone. But I was thinking about it naturally. And then, as soon as I was done, I was hired here as a youth pastor. And one of the scariest things I ever had to do in my life was just to go and preach to six teenagers. But you know where that boldness came from? It wasn't from me, because I never had that kind of boldness. I was the wallflower. I was the guy in class you might not have ever known I was even there. But when the Holy Spirit moved on the inside of me, He made me bold. The Bible says that actually the righteous are bold as lions. Amen? Is that okay? So Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You say, why do you talk about that? Well, you might not ever do some of the things that God called me to do. You might, but you might not. But it takes boldness as a man to stand up in your home when your family has known you only in a certain way. You may have wanted to make changes in your life a bunch of times. But you feared that if you began to make changes, that they wouldn't be well received or, or they would think that you were faking. Is that, is that being fair? You, you might not know how your wife would react if you said, can, I, can we pray together this morning? You might not know how your, your kids would react if you said, hey, can, can, can we start doing a devotional? Something like that. Some of you think that's foreign. We do that all the time. Good, th- good. Find something else to get you out of your comfort zone. But I know there's a lot of people probably in this, in this category where, where we feel like, and I'm not making um, you know, any kind of a rude comment here. I, I, I just It's the mentality. I've had this mentality too. Is that the pastor and the church, and that's why I take my kids to church, because, because that's where they get what they need spiritually. And I'm here to tell you we're only part of that. I'm only part of that in your kid's life. But but if your kids are going to truly do what God has called them to do and truly pursue that, there's going to have to be those influences in the home that are not scared to go, you know what? I know you're 12 years old, son. I know you're 13 years old, daughter. I know, I know that uh, you know, we've been married this long and, and, and we've conducted our relationship this way. And I'm not saying that, uh, that, that I'm, un, I'm unhappy or anything like that. All I'm saying is, is that things need to change if we're gonna achieve the level of, of, of fruitfulness that God has intended us to, ch- to, to achieve. There's some things that need to, not just, not just overnight, not a, hundred things at once. But let's just start in this place of faith where we, we get some scriptures for our home, we get some scriptures for our kids, and let's just begin to move towards a direction that more resembles the way we feel like God really wants us to be. Is this, is this okay? Is this fair? The scripture is telling us that the beginning, the beginning of the gospel spreading from us has to start. In our home. I love the story of Joshua. Joshua stepped out and challenged a whole generation of fathers to choose who their family would serve. Not not a church congregation, not a town, an entire generation. He stepped out and he challenged. And you say, How 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 could you say that they just he just challenged the fathers? Because in that day, the way that the family went was the way that the father was going. And it's much like that today. It might be a little bit different, but there's there's so many statistics out there, and 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 I'm not trying to pick on dads or anything like that. I'm not picking on you whatsoever, but there's a statistic out there, and I don't know all the numbers, but I know enough numbers that say that um, if a child decides to go to church, well, I'll start with this way: if a mother decides to start going to church, that is a very—it's like almost a slim to nothing chance that the kids and the husband will really follow. Now, the kids may go because they have to, but I'm talking about in a long-term way. If a child decides to go to church, there's a little bit greater um, percentage that the, um, the wife would go and then that maybe the father would go sometimes and be a part of it. But there is a statistic out there, and I remember this, and it's if the father decides to really truly serve God and really truly go and be a part of the church, that 98% of, the, of, his, of those families start going where the Father goes and loves what the Father loves. Say why? Because God created it that way. Amen? Now I'm not discrediting or trying to dishearten maybe single mothers because I was raised by a single mother and she did a phenomenal job. And I know she prayed for me. And I know that she, she did everything. I'm saying that if we had a, a, a father in the home at those ages that, that would have been pursuing God and, and, and taking us and all those different things, I guarantee you it, it, it would have, it, it, would just, it would just be different. It'd been easier. Amen? It would have been easier. So in Hebrews, I'm sorry, I didn't ever read Joshua 24. Joshua 24, 15, this is what he says. He says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. And, and the reason why he uses that terminology is because they kind of served God. But they kind of had a bunch of other stuff going on too. Mainly other idols to worship because there wasn't the activities that we have today probably. It was There it was work, eating, and idol worship. That's about the most fun that you got to have back then. Eating, working, and idol worship. And so uh, today we probably don't have... A ton of um, you know people you know going well. What are you doing today? Well, I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go worship the sun god today. Nobody's really doing that. And how do you know there are idols? An idol. An idol is anything that takes up an, an inordinate amount of your time, energy to go do, and you and 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 it's in disproportion to how you serve God and how you take care of your family. And so he says, if it, if it seems evil, like if 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 the one true God is not enough for you, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day, right now, today, in this very hour, whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river are the gods of the Amorites in whose land that you dwell. He said... But I'm making a stand right here, and I and, and 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 I'm standing in front of all of you and saying, But as for me and as for my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. Now it may not look perfect. I will guarantee you it won't look perfect. But just making a stand like that in your home does something, it echoes through generations. Just to make a stand like that, when when everything is wishy-washy and everything is like, I don't know. I mean, we kind of serve God, we kinda go to church, we kinda do it when it's convenient, then it's and then everything is just wishy-washy. And the, and, the, and the Bible talks about people who are who are like a ship with no rudder, and just every wind and every wave pushes them here and pushes them there. But he says, listen, he said, if, if you'll just anchor off right here and you'll choose today who you're gonna serve, I'm not promising you it's gonna look perfect. But 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 I will promise you this, it will echo down through the generations that dad served God, that mom served God, that grandpa served God, that great-grandpa served God. I can't tell you the amount of broken people that come into my office from time to time over the last 20-something years, and it's it's usually a male, sometimes a female, that they have gone on and they've just ruined their life. They might be in their early 20s or their early 30s or something, and they're addicted and and they're all messed up and everything else, but the one thing that they remember is somebody in their family served God and it echoed down into their heart and they said, you know what? I want that peace that I noticed in great grandma so-and-so, our great grandpa so-and-so, our dad so-and-so, our mom so-and-so. I want that peace in my home. I want that kind of goodness in my life from God because I don't have it right now, but I want it right now and they served God so I want to serve God. Amen? It'll echo through the generations. If you'll just take a stand, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to mess up. You're going to have to repent. You're going to have to go back and tell your kids, your grandkids, I did that wrong. Don't do that like me. But just the fact that you will, you will make a stand like, like Joshua is telling these people, listen, you need to stop going back and forth between the gods that your fathers served back in Egypt and going to the gods of the Amorites whose land we, we're in. There, you know who the one true God is. And I don't, you might think that serving God is evil. And if you do, make a choice today if you're going to serve them or if you're going to serve him. But you can't serve them both. And so as for me and my house, we're serving God. And the heck with the Amorite gods and the heck with the Egyptian gods, I'm serving God. Yes, yes. Amen? Yes. Is this all right? Yes. It's more important than ever to make God and His kingdom the utmost importance and priority in your life and in your family. Right now, I believe it's utmost importance to make His kingdom priority in your life and in your family. Hebrews 10, this was our. Pretty much our our scripture that we use throughout the whole series, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So we've been asking that question, why do we church? Because this is the place where we come together and we're able to stir each other up with love, not with contentions, not with gossips, not with envies, not with judgments. But this is the place where we're supposed to come, consider one another, and stir each other up to love and good works. Watch this, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. What's that day? That's the day that the Lord Jesus comes back for his church. Amen. I can see his day approaching. And I believe that in this day, there's nothing more important than considering one another, the body of Christ, stirring each other up in love and good works, and then not forsaking assembling ourselves together. Amen. Amen. Just on kind of a personal note, just as I've been kind of watching, <clears throat> you know, I started noticing probably about maybe two or three months ago that just the, um, the presence of God has just been growing and building in this place, just growing and building. And then, of course, you know, you're looking out and, and, and there's revival breaking out on not just Asbury, but there are college campuses everywhere. There's revival breaking out everywhere. And, and what I'm gathering from that is it's, it's indicative of the fact that this generation is hungry. See, I, I thought they weren't hungry. I, I thought they could care less about God, to be honest with you, not every one of them, but as a whole. You're looking at their voices on social media. You're looking at their voices in the earth and, and, and you're going, man, do they, do they even know God? Do they even, you know, the, everything's just kind of upside down. But what it's telling me is that this generation is hungry for real. It's, it's hungry for authentic, uh, the authentic presence of God. And I believe that God is pouring out on the thirsty and the hungry. Yes. Amen. Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Because right now, is, it's, it's, it's ripe for the picking. He's pouring out on the thirsty and the hungry. Amen? <laughs> Anybody ever been a kid or maybe even said this to a kid and, and, and it's dinner time? And there's, there's dinner and, 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 and everything's out on the table and there's drinks and everything's out on the table? And, and maybe your grandma or maybe you said it. You said, hey, get in here and eat. And they said, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry right now. Well, all right. But I'm putting it up here in a minute. And as soon as you get it all put up, kid comes in there, I want some potato chips. No. No. We had dinner a little while ago. But I'm hungry. It's your own fault. If you are hungry and you are thirsty and you do not begin to drink from the living well who never runs dry, if you don't begin to partake of the, of the living bread of Christ, it is your own fault if you stay hungry and you stay thirsty. Because He is pouring out right now. He's pouring out. It's your own fault if you stay hungry and you stay thirsty. You know, I think we've, we all may have gotten weary and jaded over the years, but now is not the time to sit back and be spectators to a move of God, but to be participants, to be encouragers, and to be facilitators. You say, what do you mean by that? Being participants means I'm not just going to spectate. I, I, I'm, I'm hungry too. I'm thirsty too. I, I want to drink. I want to eat of the presence of God. I'm going to be an encourager. I'm not going to be a naysayer. You know, I've, I've got people that, you know, they're already starting to criticize. Well, who knows if God's really doing that or, or if people are really doing that. I don't care if, it, if, if uh, what's going on. If people are hungry for God and people are reaching out to God and people are crying out to God, I can't see how anybody in their right mind would make that a bad thing. I'm just glad there's a generation. I'm glad there's people somewhere in the United States in large numbers that are crying out to God and asking God to pour out on our land. Yes. Amen? Yes. So encouragers. And then facilitators. What is a facilitator? Well, a facilitator is that, that um, you know, we hear about these pockets going on here, there, and yonder. Well, I'm believing God that, it, 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 that you know, the presence of God is not, is not um, limited to a certain location. It's not limited to a certain location. The presence of God is everywhere. You say, well, if he's everywhere, why doesn't he pour out on everywhere like he, like he is in certain places? That's a good question. And it's not God's question to answer. It's your question to answer because he said he would pour out in the earth, on flesh, on his sons and as on his daughters. He is pouring out where people are hungry and people are thirsty and people are waiting and calling on the presence of God. That's where he's pouring out. God's no respecter of person. Amen? Amen. Nothing will change your family like you taking a step up and allowing God to change you. Not change your spouse, not change your kids, not change your boss, not change... No. Nothing will change your family like you stepping up and allowing God to change you. Nothing will change your kids... I should, I'm gonna say it like this: Nothing will change our kids. Nothing will change what's going on with our with our kids in this generation, like our fathers stepping up as the spiritual leaders of your homes. Nothing will change our homes quite like our mothers stepping up and being spiritual leaders in your homes. Nothing will change our communities quite like our kids getting on fire for God and bringing the very presence of God into our schools and into our community. And you know, one thing that I've noticed is it only takes a spark. It really does. You know, who's going to be that spark? What family is going to go against the norm? You know, that's how a spark's created, right? It goes against the grain. Creates a spark. I'm here to tell you the wood, the the fuel is there. The gasoline is even there. The question is just who's going to light it? Really, what family is going to light it? What person is going to light it? What young person is going to light it? Who's going to light the spark that that sparks a revival in your home, that sparks a revival in your community, in our church, and and other churches? Who's going to light that spark? I believe that this is the moment that we've needed and been waiting on for a long time. For the first time in years, we see a supernatural desire and hunger to spiritually go against the world and its systems. It's not just a bunch of people you know mad at the government. But it's a group of people calling down the presence of God. We had we've had several years of people just mad at the government wanting an uproar, wanting an upheaval. This is different. This is a moment where there are people that are crying out for the presence of God to change things, not a politician. I don't know if you've noticed or not. There is no politician that's ever going to change this. Jesus Christ will. His presence will. I saw something that's, that's probably encouraged me more than even seeing the revivals break out. And that, that is, there's a video. You can go look it up. It's called um, The Leader, or I think maybe The Founder, The Founder of the Satanic Church in South Africa. The Founder. And before this video came out, I've actually seen this guy on different talk shows and different things like that. And I mean, he was a full-on satanic guy. Tattoos, not saying tattoos are satanic, but I'm talking about just, you know, he was intimidating looking. And um, I saw this video comes up about him and he is on this video sobbing. And he's talking about how there was a Christian lady that prayed for him. And when she prayed for him, He said he experienced a love that he has never, ever, ever experienced in his whole life. To the point where he went back to his leaders, the other satanic people, and asked them to do these rituals over him to get it off of him. So he said, I'm in the middle of doing this satanic ritual to get the pres- He said, I didn't know it was the presence of God. I just felt this love that I, that I didn't want on me. And he said, as I'm doing this satanic ritual to do this, he said, Jesus steps into the room and pours out a love on me that I've never experienced in my whole life. He gave his heart to Jesus and he thought he was too far gone. He said, I thought there was no way that I could ever be redeemed. But I'm here to tell you, if you are living and you are breathing, there is nothing that you have ever, ever, ever done that you cannot be redeemed by Jesus with. Right? It's not about what everybody else has done to you. It's not about the hands that you were dealt in life. It's about whose hand are you going to take today? Is it going to be the hand of your past that keeps pulling you back into those places? Or is it going to be the hand of Jesus that takes you into a place that you've never before experienced? We have to take full advantage of this window. We have to strike while the iron's hot. God is stirring the waters of the world with the Spirit. And for the first time in a long time, there are are people that are experiencing real life change through the Holy Spirit. I believe that. Real life change. Let's stand up on our feet.
0: I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times on our website at WOFTX.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed.